you stand with me as we pray, as we prepare to open up God's word? Is your heart full of praise this morning? I said, is your heart full of praise this morning? The word of the Lord says, I will bless the Lord with my whole heart. I will let the nations be glad and rejoice for God is my savior. Would you say amen? Amen. Oh, let's bow our heads right now. Father, our hearts are full of praise. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What a mighty God we serve. Thank you. If but for one purpose we have come today, it is not simply to receive. God, we believe in reciprocity. We believe that not only are you to give to us, but we are to bring an offering of worship to you. We don't just have our hands out, but we also have our hands up. We're not just saying, gimme, gimme, gimme. We're also saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. So before we ask you for anything, we want to thank you for everything. Worthy is our God. Worthy is our God. And you ought to get the praise. You demand the praise. It is required of us in light of all that you have done in our lives, that we ought to praise the Lord. It is good to give you praise. It lifts our spirits. It lets us know that our problem is not that big. When we praise you, we make you big, God. And so it shrinks our Goliaths. Our Goliaths are nothing like David. We stand in front of the Goliath situations in our life, and we will praise the Lord. We praise you in advance for salvation in our families and for reconciliation in marriages and for prodigal sons and daughters to come home and for healing in our bodies, for circumstances to be worked out where we don't know how they're going to work out. God, we don't ask you, we praise you because you've already promised that you would supply all of our need according to your riches and glory. So on this day, we pause and we say, praise ye the Lord. Praise you, God. Praise you. Praise you, God. Let everything that have breath give you the praise. Now, as we open up the word of God. See, Father, we cannot play with the word. There's too much power. We have not come to trifle with the word. We have come to preach and teach the word. This cannot be done by human instrumentality. If the Holy Ghost does not take over right now, then someone's life will be required of it. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. God, we are vulnerable right now to your Spirit. We open up ourselves willingly to hear what the Lord has to say. We remove prejudice. God, we remove our attitude or anything that would set itself against the knowledge of God. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Would you hug your neighbor beside you? Hug somebody. Don't leave anybody unhugged. Hug someone. Hug somebody. Hug them. Hug them nice and tight. Praise the Lord. And when you're, and when you're done hugging them, sit on down. Don't clock me now. Clock me when you sit down. Amen. 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 If you love Jesus, let me hear you shout Jesus. Oh, man, that didn't cause no demon to tremble. Come on, make him tremble today. If you love Jesus, let me hear you shout his name. Yes. Now let's put our hands together and give God some praise this morning. Ah. The, the, old, the old folks used to say, you don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. Amen. How many know he picked you up, turned you around, placed your feet on solid ground? I looked all over, couldn't find nobody. Nobody greater, amen? Yes, God is great and greatly to be praised. And we are so glad to be back. We come back with a testimony on our lips. We come back with a testimony. Of course, we were out of town last week, but uh, we weren't just skipping. We were just weren't skipping service. Come on, say amen. Uh, we got a chance to see a prayer answered. How many know God answers prayers? I said, we got a chance to see a prayer answered. Now, I know it wasn't your blessing, but you ought to at least praise him for mine. Come on. <laughs> All right. Um, my, my oldest brother and his wife have been praying now for about 10 years for a child. Some of you have been there. Some of you know people who are there. We've been praying and you know, physicians told them one thing and told them to prepare to adopt. But uh, how many know that God still answers prayers? So last Sabbath, we were able to go to Detroit and offer up his big fat baby boy to the Lord. And we were crying and just thanking God. It just goes to show that uh, there may be closed doors with God, but there are no locked doors. Come on, say amen. And he'll close one door, but he'll open another. <laughs> Come on, praise him, somebody. Yes. And so, I mean, I just, I know God still works miracles. He still works miracles. Somebody needs to know today, just keep praying. Keep praying. If you, Listen, if you, if we, and listen, if we believed every doctor, then some of you wouldn't be here right now. Come on, say amen. <laughs> How many know God has the last word? Amen. <laughs> some of you should still be in prison. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on, don't get quiet on me now. The only reason you're here today is because God was merciful to you, wasn't he not? Yes, 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 yes. And so I am just, I'm just, uh, I got, I got Jesus joy today when I think about what the Lord has done for us. I'd like to ask you to keep in your prayers today. Our children, um, children, you are more than welcome to go downstairs for Children's Church right now. It's, I think it just got started, so send your children downstairs for a powerful time in the Lord. But word came to me that Harold Palmer Sr. Uh, passed. Uh, we know that they are connected and related to the Drake family, and there are those of you who would know uh, the senior man, I believe he was 95 years old. He's passed. Um, funeral services will be at the Ephesus Seventh-day Adventist Church in Columbus, Ohio, this Friday uh, from 10 to 12. If you need more information, 
uh, called the church. I'm excited to get into the Word, so I'm going to invite you to go with me to Revelation chapter 2. And uh, we are excited about getting into our series as we have been. I heard you guys had a powerful time last week. Had a women's revival. Amen. (laughs) You know, uh, listen, I'm not going to get into whether women should be pastors. By the way, they just voted the first female conference president in the history of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. In, uh, in southeastern California, uh, which is one of our larger areas. And uh, the church right now is in the midst of, uh, of some, some issues with respect to that. Uh, one thing I will say, no matter what you feel about in terms of whether you feel that they should be or they shouldn't be, one thing you can't deny, you can't deny that God uses everybody. <laughs> hey, listen now, you know, I don't know what your belief system is, but I, I, last week we saw uh, four women stand here and the Holy Ghost did not look at them and say, hey, that's a woman. I can't use them. We saw the Holy Spirit. By the way, by the, by the, I got a secret to tell you. Hey, Seventh-day Adventist, by the way, uh, the, the prophet uh, to the remnant church. Her name's Ellen White, okay? She, she is a woman. Don't tell nobody that. You know, did, did you, you know, prophet is higher than pastor. <laughs> Hello, somebody. So if, if we can have a woman as a prophet, I'll, I'll, let, I'll, let, I'll let you worry about that. I'll let you worry about that. I'm just, I mean, I, you know, I don't. Amen. <laughs> Thus, what I want to preach about today. Revelation chapter 2, and we're going to look at the church of Thyatira. And as you know, we've been kind of looking at the, the, the importance of the message of Jesus Christ to his last day church as it is written in the book of Revelation. And I want to read this passage first and then dive into it by the best of my ability. This is the church of Thyatira. And the church of Thyatira on the front end is the Buckwild Church. Yeah, man. Buckwild. Yeah, they out there. This is a wild church. You know, there are different kinds of churches. Some, some would probably say that Glenville is uh, like Thyatira, you know, when they, when they hear all the, the praise and the worship and all that kind of stuff. But that ain't the kind of wild we're talking about here. We're not talking about exuberance in worship. What are we talking about? Well, let's take a look here. The Bible says to the angel, verse 18, of the church in Thyatira. Would you say that, Thyatira? Thyatira. Very good. Right. All right. Is it in red in your Bible? It's in red in mine. Who's talking? Who's talking, everybody? All right. So this ain't Edmonds, right? Uh Uh-huh. This ain't Edmonds right here. You can't blame this one on me. I'm not taking shots at anybody today. I'm reading right from the word of God, all right? I need to make sure you're on the same page with me. This is from who? All right, all right, okay, here it is. The Bible says these are the words, and I love the introduction, of the Son of God whose eyes, get this everybody, are like blazing fire. Underline that phrase, blazing fire, blazing fire. These are the words, notice the introduction, he's introducing himself, and to each church he introduces himself differently. That's because God has to be different 
He reveals himself differently to us based on our varied situations and circumstances. Come on, sometimes he's got to be a protector, amen? Sometimes he's got to be a provider, amen? Sometimes he's got to be your deliverer, amen? And so God is able, you can't box God in. He said, I am the I am that I am, which, and I, which means I will be what I need to be based on what you need me to be at the moment. Come on, say amen. Listen, he can be your mother if he needs to be. He can be your father if he needs to be. God is just that good. How many have found God to be everything that you need when you need it, exactly how you need it? If you don't know that, I invite you into a relationship with him today. And so notice he says, he says, I want to introduce myself differently to Thyatira than I have to the other churches. And I want you to see this very carefully. Underline those words. He says, these are the words of the son of God whose eyes, somebody shout eyes. Notice that are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze, underline burnished bronze. Get the picture now. What Christ is saying in symbolic language is I am the one that lights up darkness. All right. I am the one that likes. In other words, there is nothing that can be hid from me. Oh, see, y'all ain't there yet, but you get there in a minute. In other words, ah, what I'm about to say to you is based on the fact that I can see past the show. I can see past the facade. I can see past the mask. What, notice who's talking to you here. You guys see, in order to understand the message that's about to come, you got to understand who it's coming from. It's coming from someone who cannot be tricked. It's, it's coming from somebody who cannot be fooled. It's coming from someone who, who, who the Bible says man looks on the outward appearance. What about Bible? I thought you would quote that with me, Bible students. Man, come on, everybody. Man looks on the, but God looks where? God looks where? Look at me and say, well, where does God look? In other words, it doesn't matter what, what, what suit you have on today, my brother. Uh, dress it up with a bow tie if you need to. And, and have on there as well some nice shiny wingtip shoes. But God is not impressed with your hat, my sister. And he is not impressed with your uh, nice long skirt. Come on, say amen. In other words, God says, I, I don't, there is no need for me to be impressed by what you wear. Because I have the ability with my burning eyes to look past what the external says and see what's really going on. I want you to look at your neighbor and just say, he knows what's really going on. He knows what's really going on. He knows. So, so get this now. I'm going to walk slowly on this today. If he introduces himself as somebody that cannot be fooled, then there's a possibility that the message that we're about to discover is a message that, that, that needs to fix this issue of pretension. Y'all know what pretension is, right? Pretension is the ability to use talents, education, gifting, who your family is, how much money you have, how much you give to the church, what kind of ministries you're involved in. God says, all that's good, but none of that, none of that is impressive to me because I don't look at simply what you do. I look at why you do it. Amen. And so his eyes are burning eyes. I've underlined that right there. If you're a good student of the word so that you can study that in your spare time. His eyes, he sees. And somebody ought to be glad today that God does not judge us simply by what he sees. 
But uh, he is able not only to see us where we are right now. Hallelujah. But he is able. In other words, if I'm if this thing is really jacked up for me right now. Thank, thank, thank your God that he is able to look down and see what you can be. The word of God says in John, it says, and, and, and we know not what we will be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. Pause for a moment. Everybody stay right here. God is more concerned. I want us to get this real deep down in our hearts. God is more concerned about our hearts than he is concerned about our externals. God is more concerned about the why than he is about the how. God is more concerned about center than he is about circumference. God is more concerned about your thoughts and your mind and your motives than he's concerned about what people perceive or what people see that you do. Let's get this straight right now. God is not concerned about what church people are concerned about. That's basically what we're saying here. Church people are concerned about what they see. God is concerned about what you don't see. And his eyes are burning. Oh, I love that. I love the picture there. And in other words, Christ steps into darkness and the Bible says the darkness cannot comprehend him. It is confused by his presence. Hallelujah. Uh, darkness is, is, is confused. It, it, it's, its plans are foible. The Bible, I remember my mother taught me the passage of scripture when I was a child. Be sure your sins will find you out. You cannot keep putting up a show and think that somehow or another you're going to trick God about who you really are. You cannot fool God. You can fool the pastor. Come on in here. You can fool your husband. You got to be a real good liar. You can fool your wife. You got to be a very good liar. Come on, say amen. You can fool the church. But you cannot, oh, does anybody know what I'm talking about? You cannot fool God. And he says, before I even get to what I want to say, I don't want you to protest anything that I'm about to say. I want you to shut, don't get defensive, don't protest, because the person that's talking is somebody who sees past the show. I love these seven churches. Oh, I love it. I hope you've been studying them in your spirit. I love them. He first steps on the scene. I got I to gotta get this in your mind. He says, don't think. I can't see what's going on. He ain't talking about them. He's talking about you. You know, I, mean, I can tell you an easy amen. Me and my wife were talking about this yesterday. You know, here's an easy amen you get in the church. When you talk about how people got haters, you got to step past your haters. Them, you got haters coming after you. I don't know. You know, amen. Everybody, yes, yes, I got haters. Oh, get them all. Yes, God. Oh, these haters. Oh, the devil is alive. No weapon. Yeah, that's a good No weapon formed against me. Shall be able. He will, he will make a table prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. Oh, the haters. It's an easy amen. The more difficult amens to get are the amens when we, when we take our eyes off of what other people are doing to us and then start, oh, I can't get nobody. Just, just, just one amen. Listen, I'm telling you, uh, we ought to, we ought to. The easy amens generally come when you are talking and preaching about what you perceive in the lives of other people. Oh, that's where they come. 
Oh, talk about hypocrites in the church. Preach, pastor. Talk about backstabbing friends. Oh, pastor, you better deal with it. Talk about fake people in the church. Everybody's, oh, you better preach, pastor. I got them all around me, you know. Uh, brothers and sisters, what Christ is saying right now is, mm, no, no, no. We're not talking about anybody else today. I'm talking to you. You. Don't come to me at the end of the sermon and say to me, Pastor, I wish my husband was here to hear this. Don't you say that. Ah, no, don't high five me after it's over and say, Pastor, oh, uh, you got him today. See, those statements are statements of self-righteousness. You, in order to say that, you've got to assume that whatever God said, I got it. If only the, come on in here, Zion. Come on in here, Zion. The only way you can make those kinds of statements is if you assume that what has been declared by God himself is something that you've got to unlock. He starts off. You, this is so important. He starts off saying, I see you. I see you, Fred. Salatio, I see you. Craig, I see you. And Lord knows, Myron, I see you. See, the problem with preaching is, you understand, Rob, look, man, I have to, people, any preacher that, like, condescendingly preach to, preaches to people, he is crazy. Listen, I read this before you did. And the Holy Ghost was beating my behind. The Lord is saying to me, Myron, especially, listen to me, leaders, parents, especially as a leader, it is, it is generally our inclination to assume because of our position that we have spirituality on the lock. That God needs me to set the church straight. Listen, the, only, the, the thing is, I just happen to be the only dude standing here at the pulpit right now because I've seen that God can use anybody. Come on, say amen. God does not need you. And the reason why I know that is because he can see you. So with that in mind, notice what he says. Everybody got it? Amen. Ain't no hiding, no ducking and dodging. Ain't time to go to sleep today because the word that is coming ain't from me. It's from the Lord. And he says, I'm going to introduce myself to you. Hello, my name is the son of God. Uh, by the way, I just got up from the dead. And I've got all power in my hand. I was going where I was coming from to get to where I am to find out I was already there. I am the author and finisher of your faith. I am he that was dead and is now alive. I am the alpha and the omega. Come on in here, somebody. Let's get clear. I'm just, this ain't me. I'm just saying this is God. God is saying, be clear on who's talking to you. This ain't just another sermon. This is me talking. Know who I am. And by the way, I introduce myself to you today, Thyatira, as somebody who cannot be fooled. Somebody that looks deeper, <laughs> that, looks that looks much deeper than what people can see. By the way, can I just throw this out here before I, before I tread deeper? Like everybody in here should go to hell. No, like everybody. Old and young. Like, no, right now. Right now you should go. 
The only reason why you ain't going is because of grace. Hey, hold on, let's be clear. Let us, let's eat, let's, let's put us all on equal playing field. Every breathing human being right now, just because of what I read, should be dead. Everybody should be lost. Why? Because he can see. <laughs> Yo, this is so simple. I don't know why. Did you hear what I just said? You cannot. You can, all the art. No, no, no. You can't protest on this. Stay here, everybody. How can you protest that he sees you? Not just what you do, but he sees your mind. I don't know what it, I can stay on this text all morning. This is enough to make us hungry for God. Because he sees you. The only way that this powerful passage of the burning eyes of Christ that looks past our facades, looks past our our degrees, looks past our profession, looks past how long we've been a member, looks past all that stuff. The only reason why I don't the only reason why this does not bother you is because you are self-righteous. When you come into the presence of God, it ought to make you uncomfortable. I think some of us just are a little too comfortable and just feel just, and we just I mean, we've been here so long, we've, we've been coming in and out of his presence. Do you know that there are people in the Bible that died in his presence? I'm not trying to beat up on you. I just want you to be grateful that you're here. Be grateful that he knows all about you. And he didn't kill you. It's somewhat like my mama, you know, when I was a child, when I would do something wrong, my mother wouldn't come and say, you lied. She wouldn't do that. You know what she would do? She would be rhetorical. Are you lying? <laughs> did you steal? Mm-hmm. Remember God? Remember God looked for Adam? What did he say? He knew Adam. He knew Adam. He knew Adam was lost. What did he say? Uh, Adam, where are you? <laughs> See, look, understand here. See, we can't even get to this text unless you adjust your thinking to understand that you ought to be dead based on the fact that he can see. (laughs) See, you have fooled everybody, but you have not fooled him. All the excuses and the, you know, you know, I just, you know, you don't understand. I've been through this. You know, that's the new justification for doing dumb stuff. Oh, the way I came up as a child. Listen, God says, hmm, but I ain't really see what's really going on. Now, based on that, watch what he says. He says this. He says, I know your deeds. 
your love and your faith, your service and your perseverance. Good news before bad news, right? Huh? Yeah, I like this. And that you are now doing more than you did at first. All right, so here we go. I'm ready now. You see, Thyatira is the fourth church. It is the most insignificant church. It is the smallest of all the cities. It's so insignificant that we don't even really have any historical data on Thyatira. Ain't like Pergamum and Ephesus that still have ruins that have, uh, that archaeologists have gone and digged and found. Thyatira was basically just a, a, a commercial city that stood in between Pergamum and Sardis. That's it. No, nothing big. But if you study the passage carefully, you'll discover that this is the longest message of all the messages. If you ask yourself a question, he sees everything, he knows everything, but yet this doesn't look like it's a big deal. Ooh, I just said something there. Did you catch that? See, you look at, you look at Thyatira and you say, no big deal. God, don't waste your time on that. But God says, see, that's your problem. You are always assuming that certain things are not a big deal to me when they are. And so the longest of all the messages is the message to Thyatira. And notice what he says. The first thing he says is, he says, he says, uh, I am the one that can see everything. And with that in mind, I want to praise you because of your faith. I want to praise you because of your love. I like that you persevere. I love your deeds of kindness. As a matter of fact, you're, you are doing better than you did at first. Watch this. So what's happening here is, if you remember Ephesus, Ephesus was the church that was stuck on themselves. They were the church that was more interested in having right theology than they were in loving people. As a matter of fact, God came to Ephesus and he said to Ephesus, he says, listen, Ephesus, I'm getting, to rem- getting ready to remove your candlestick out of its place because you have forsaken your first what? You forsaken your first love. So watch this now. He says, you hate false prophets, talking of Ephesus. You hate false doctrine. huh? You hate folk that don't believe seven days of Sabbath. You hate folk that believe that when you die, you go to heaven. He says, you cannot tolerate people that preach that, that, that false doctrine, that don't know what the mark of the beast is. You can't tolerate them. He said, but you got no love. Right. Now watch what happens here. See, all these churches progressively show us what happens when you start off conservative. Okay, here we go. Ephesus was the conservative church. They were the church that didn't take no mess. They were the church that said, we got standards up in here. Oh, come on. They were the church I grew up in. Oh, come on in here. Come on, come on, believers. Come on, can we be real? Can we talk now? They were the church that grew up, and you didn't come in the church looking any old kind of way. Yeah, I know I'm going to get an amen in a minute. It was, it was, it was the church where when you left your church, you might have shouted and praised God. But when you come up in here. <laughs> uh, it, oh, e- Ephesus was the church where they preached it straight. Not all this fancy love preaching that we're hearing right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was a church where when you came in here and you left, people knew that you was a Seventh-day Adventist. Matter of fact, we shout on that. You hear folks, they, they, you know, I, I, love, I love to hear it too. Yeah, I mean, I can get an easy amen from certain people on that. If I was like, oh God, bring back the days where when you looked at somebody, you knew they were Seventh-day Adventists. <laughs> Preach it, pastor. Bring back those days. But remember, 
Remember, it was in those days that we lost threefold generations. It was in those days that Christ came to the church and said, no, 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 no. I appreciate that you love truth. I appreciate that you love doctrine. I appreciate that you got standards, but you don't have any love. And I'm getting ready to I'm getting ready to come and put you out. So, 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 here, please, please, please bear with me. You see, I preached at uh, Willie's church on Sunday. And when I was preaching, they stood the whole time I was preaching. So I'm spoiled today. You better talk back to me. You may not stand, but you better say something up in here. Lord, have, that's a preacher's dream. Huh? So, and by the way, see, in, in, in Ephesus days, you didn't go to Willie's church. Well, see, they Sunday worshipers. You don't go to that church. And so Christ came to Ephesus and said, ah, you got the right doctrine, but you got the wrong attitude. Right, right. Your fundamentalist, ultra-conservatism is not only responsible for driving people away and making yourself look unnecessarily weird, but... It also creates Smyrna. So in my self-righteous state, God says, now I've got to process them through suffering. Because it is through suffering that we come to view ourselves as we are. Listen, I, I, you know, I, made, I, I said the other day, and I'm just, confession is good for the soul, that I could never hate anybody. My wife knows. As it is right now, there is somebody that I hate. I ain't, this ain't an illustration. <laughs> See, I had, I had to stop lying and saying, I just dislike them. The Holy Spirit revealed to me in his presence. He says, you hate this person. And God is working with me. And it, wouldn't it be God to arrange for me to have to be somewhere where this person is? So, so in order for, to get him off his high horse, in order to get him off of his, his arrogance, I've got to take him through something so that he can see that there's some stuff in his life that ain't altogether straight either. So when you come out of Ephesus, you've got to go through Smyrna. After Smyrna comes Pergamum. So what generally happens is, is see, you done got whooped so bad by the Holy Ghost for so long through trials and tribulations and being in the heat of affliction and going through that you're finally just looking for a breath of fresh air where you can, I know the Bible says, he says, I, 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 we walk through the valley, but through tells me that if I go through it, I can come out of it. Come on, say amen. Uh, and so you're just waiting for a moment. Anybody living that right now where you got so much, I mean, one trial after the other, one situation after the other, it's almost like you can't get a break. And it's just like you just wait. Give me one moment, God. I'll praise you when I get out. Give me one moment. I'll, I'll bless you when I get out. And God is saying, no, you ain't learned yet because I want you to learn how to praise me when you're in it. I want you to learn how to lift your hands when you're going through. I want you to learn how to honor me when you don't feel like it. I want you to learn how to bless my name when there's no reason to. I'm not going to take you out yet. And so what happened in Smyrna 
is the folk got so tired of being tried, so tired of pain and persecution, that they said, man, when we get to Pergamum, whatever it takes not to be in pain, I'm willing to do it. So this is where compromise comes in. And so let me show you what happens. They start off conservative and they end up buck wild in Thyatira. By the time you get to Thyatira, Thyatira is the, they are the church where anything is tolerated. Now, watch what happens here. Conservatism produces liberalism. Republicans and Democrats need each other. Tea Party people need people who give people civil liberties. See, they, they're, they're, but, but notice now, one of them came as a result of the other. I'm going to step a little closer. One of the reasons why our church is the way it is, and I will suggest to you that we have gone from one extreme to the other. See, what happened was this. And are y'all with me? I'm just going to express some things right now. I grew up in that church where it was, you going to hell for everything. You're going to hell. You know what? You're going to hell. What? You go where? You're going to hell. You do this, you're going to hell. Oh, no, no, you can't do that. You're going to go to hell. Hell. I mean, the more you talk about hell, it's like, man, maybe hell is all right. You know, I don't know. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. Can't do you hell. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. Do this. Don't do that. Wear this. Don't wear that. And we were trying to modify behavior without changing the mindset. But you cannot change behavior if you don't change the heart. All you're going to get is a robot that do that does what you tell them to do as long as they are under your roof. But the minute they can break free, they're going to do whatever they want to do. So watch me now. Ah, thank you, Jesus. So what we are seeing in modern church, and I agree, I think we are, I think we, I think we are, we have gone from one extreme to the other. But you know how we got there? Because it started with a rigid, graceless, loveless, doctrine-heavy rules and regulations kind of Christianity that is really not Christianity at all. So when I came up, you had to prove that you was an Adventist. Even though in the Bible, when someone gave their life to Christ, they were baptized on the spot. But now we have created a system that if somebody gives their life to Christ, we must put them through the assembly line called indoctrination. And when they're finished with this indoctrination, we examine them before everybody to make sure they are like us. In our church now, uh, things have changed a little bit, though. And, but back then, you just went, uh, you, it don't matter if they, they told people that if you still are smoking, you can't be baptized. If you have some struggle or some addiction, 
I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about cherished sin. I'm talking about the struggling person. In other words, we were cleaning fish instead of catching fish. The Holy Spirit cleans fish. How do I know? Because he's still scaling. He's still gutting. Come on in here, beloved. Come on, you can't be an Adventist in 12 months or in 12 Bible studies. This thing is a lifetime. You have to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm still learning how to keep God's Sabbath and still learning how to obey his commandments and still learning how to pray and still learning how to fight and still learning how to read and still learning how to suffer. Well, see, the problem is, is when you come in wrong, when you come in wrong, you are going to have babies that reject. And and let me tell you what has happened. My friends and my nephews and cousins and what has happened is, is you have a generation that now has thrown out the baby with the bathwater. See, we are overcorrecting. No, no, we're overcorrecting. See, the truth that we were taught and that many of you came in on, come on in here, somebody. When the Bible worker came to your house and they brought that paper bag in there with your baptismal readies in it and they laid it at the door and said, are you willing to go all the way with Jesus Christ? If you are willing to go all the way with him, I'll see you at the baptism that we're going to have on the celebration Sabbath at the end of this 12-week series. And you took that bag in front of your family because you because you sat under the truth of the Sabbath that the seventh day is that come on in here, beloved. How many know we got the truth? Come on in here. That the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. You can't argue that. You can't get around that. It's in the word of God. You came in here. You realize that your grandmother was not up in heaven looking down on you because the Bible says the dead know not nothing. And when you heard that truth, you said, I can't stay where I am any longer. Oh, all those big rib parties and shrimp parties and uh, uh, pig roasts. uh, But when you... Come on, you can't deny it. But when you studied, see, the, get, 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 get with me, saints. But when you open, when you saw those slides and you saw those beasts and you saw the prophecies and you heard the word, you could not, it was like fire. Shut up in your bones. And you said, I've got to follow him all the way. Mercy. How many? There's some folk in here. Seventh-day Adventism saves your life. The problem is, the problem is, because they were misguided, because they were overzealous, we have now a generation. We've now got a generation that don't want nothing to do with it. Now, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you now. Notice what Thyatira represents, the generation that came up under rigid conservative church. 
So there's only one, there's only one response to that. I just do whatever I want. You have your interpretation. I got mine. Now, now, now all my young folk talk to me. Most of you who declare you got an interpretation. Let's be honest with me. You don't study the word of God. No, hold on. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. Most of you who say I'm not convicted on this, that, and the other, you ain't studied. You don't know what the mark of the beast is. You don't know what the prophecies are. Listen, and by the way, if you're only here because of the Seventh-day Sabbath, then go to another church. Because what makes us who we are is not the Sabbath. But the problem is, is that's all we emphasized. Not knowing that there were, do you realize that the Seventh-day Adventist Church is a result of at least seven other denominations? So you can't poo-poo on what you came from. You came out of the Methodist Church, a Christian Connection, and Anabaptist, and Pentecostal. You came out of that. And so now we've got a generation that does not know the scriptures. Can I tell you why you don't know? You don't got time. You can't be on Instagram all day and be holy. No, no, you can't, you can't, you cannot work these high powered jobs that you now have that your mother and your grandmother didn't have because, because they were too busy cleaning other people's homes and, to, and doing the jobs that now other people are doing. See, see, you don't have time like they, even though they really didn't have time because they worked from sun up to sundown and they still found a way to get into the word of God. But see, but see, you're too busy to be deep in the word. And what you want is you want a preacher every Sabbath to come and pump you up. You don't got time for prayer meeting. You don't got time to get up and have worship. You don't got time for. I know. Listen, I am you. So I know I can say this. We are. And that's why pornography, sexual immorality and so many other vices that have this generation bound. It's because the word of God says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. The issue with this generation is is we're overcorrecting from the old generation and our overcorrecting. All we want to do is worship. We just want to praise him. We just want to give him the glory. Oh, y'all not afraid with me. We just want to come up. And, listen, I want, and notice what Christ says in the text. I want you guys to see this. Notice what he says. None of this is wrong. Because notice what he says here. He says in verse 20, in verse, in verse 19, he says, I know your deeds. He says, your love and your faith, your service, perseverance, that you are now doing more than you did at first. So notice what he's saying. He says, look, I like the fact that you are doing what Ephesus didn't do. Now, what matters to you is how people feel. You you know that love is the thing that makes the difference. You're hearing more. Anybody notice this? I'm I'm talking to old school Adventists. How are you noticing now that you're hearing less and less preaching about the prophecies and more and more preaching about love and faith and relation? You know why? Because people like me came up in that generation where that's all you heard. And we didn't realize that that doesn't make a Christian. So, so I want to give, give us credit. We are growing as a church. See, most of us were scared to hell to be lost. And the way the message was preached was basically creating fear in many of our lives. So the only reason why you don't go to the club is because you're scared. Right, right. 
right, 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 right. When I got married, I was a virgin. Let's be clear on this. You know why? Because they scared the living daylights out of me. It wasn't because I didn't want to. But I was, listen, everybody in my family, as soon as they looked at a woman the wrong way, she got pregnant. That's just me. Every child is not the same. Now, my brothers and sisters, on the other hand, let, I let them tell their testimony. But I'm just telling you how it is. Listen, I wasn't righteous. I wasn't pure. I was just scared. That's how I could get hooked up in porn, but run around saying I was a virgin. Oh, yeah. oh, yes. Listen, I'm too real for y'all. Y'all find y'all that fake pastor that's going to come in here and tell you what you want to hear. I was too scared to get into some stuff. Some of y'all looking at me. Well, that wasn't my testimony. Well, praise the Lord. Come on, say amen. Hey, I'm married now, so it is well with my soul. Come on in here, somebody. And you know, it's amazing. One of the reasons why people will not share that, you got boys running around in the hood. We got thugs in the hood who are virgins. But it's, it's not socially acceptable. See, look at, look at how, where we have come. We've gone from Ephesus to Thyatira, where if you don't have a testimony that you got shot, got AIDS, uh, got, got a baby mama, that, you know, got, got, was at the club. And you, it's almost like you got, uh, realness is equated with sin. You're real if you, if you got, listen, people will look at you funny. There is pressure on you to have done a little bit of dirt so that people won't think that you are weird. But I thank God that he kept me. Come on and say, I listen, my mind was all over the place, but I thank God that he kept me. Because if he had not kept me, Lord knows where I'd be. I probably would not be standing here today, but I'm a living testimony. I'm a living witness. Only reason God spared my life is because he wanted me to share what great things God has done. And so... They don't want to be weird anymore. That's, that's what we're dealing Church, I'm just trying to help y'all. This general, they don't want to be consistent. See, they work now. They work in these places. And, and, and they don't want people to feel that they're a cult. So, so they overcorrect. And they go all the way over here. And they want to make Christianity cool. That's Thyatira. Can I tell you what happened in Thyatira? Basically, the issue with Thyatira was they had these unions. They called them guilds. All right? And so the people in Thyatira, in order for you to have a job, you had to be in the union. The problem was when people became Christians, they no longer felt comfortable being a part of these unions because the unions were based on, it's not like today, but they were based on false worship. So when you went to union meetings, you had to bow down and worship Baal. You had to bow down and worship Ashtoreth. You had to bow down and worship Diana. You had to bow down and worship Athena. See, there, there was no separation of church and state. They were totally connected. And the, and the pinnacle of being connected with these corrupt guilds and unions was that at every event there would be sexual immorality. So watch what happens now. Christians had to make a choice. Am I going to be cool and fit in on my job so that people don't look at me like I'm weird and I don't have to explain why I don't go to church on Saturday? Or on Sunday? Y'all know how we are. We always, 
uh, you know, like somebody asked, so you're what? Like, what now? What is, that, what is that again? Are you guys Jehovah's Witness? I mean, like, are you Mormons? Huh? And see, that drives you crazy. And so what you do is, you don't say nothing. But see, you wouldn't feel that way if you were in your word. Anybody that is ashamed of this message ain't studying. Do you know that God gave us a window into the future? What a hookup. Do you know that he has outlined prophecies that declare how this thing is going to go down? Do you realize that he has given us a health message to keep us from needing Obamacare? Do you realize that he has given us the timeless truth? I'm proud of this word. What are you apologizing for? The Muslims don't apologize. Come on, talk to me, beloved. Huh? Jehovah's Witness, they don't apologize. Mormons don't apologize. Pentecostals don't apologize. Baptists don't apologize. Why are you apologizing? But see, the reason why you feel like you have to apologize is because you are ashamed of the gospel. Because it was taught in such a weird way. You just don't want them to do with it at all. And I hear people all the time, especially my young adults, they say, man, shoot, man, if, 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 if we didn't keep Sabbath, I'll be out. Go. You know why? Oh, I'm de-evangelizing now. Let me tell you why. We have a friend of ours right now who has left the church. And I'm not, I have friends, they're up there, oh my God, oh my God. God is at work. Right. See, listen, if you don't know what you believe, are you in your work? And see, there are many of and we have some, we got some old saints in here that think I ain't talking to you. Let me tell you why. See, you think you know, but the only thing you can do is repeat what somebody told you. What is the mark of the beast? Show me some passages of scripture where it talks about the immortality of the soul. What is Daniel 2 about? Daniel 4. Daniel 6. That's the lion's den. I just threw that in there for free. (laughs) Revelation 12, 13, 14. Do you know? You know why you don't know? Because you're just like Thyatira. You know what Thyatira said? They had gotten to a point where they wanted Christianity to be cool. That they said it really doesn't matter what you believe. It's how you live. Have you heard that before? That's that's new age teaching in the church. What we do is we say, oh man, all all that doctrine and all that kind of stuff. What we need is Pete. We need some Christians. But you can't be a Christian if you don't know the doctrine. Go to John chapter 7, verse 17. Put it on the screen. Go to John chapter 7 and verse 17. Media team, hope they can hear me. I want you to see this. John chapter 7 and verse 17. John said, if somebody's found it in their Bible, give it to me. John chapter 7 and verse 17. I believe that's the passage. I want you to see something here. Now, the reason why we're saying this is because this. Notice what the Lord says to this church. He says, man, you guys are growing. Man, you're growing in your understanding of worship. Come on, say amen. Back in the day in this church, you couldn't so much clap. 
But see, the seminary that I came out of, we have, we have enlightened minds, people that have studied. I, I mean, I have professors in school that have a PhD in one chapter of the Bible. And, and their minds are now open. They understand that the Bible says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise will continue to be in my mouth. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. And they are realizing that for the most part, Christianity, especially Seventh-day Adventism, has been shaped by a Eurocentric view of how to worship. But now we're starting to see Euros. We're starting to see African-Americans. We're starting to see everybody is feeling this freedom to give God glory. Because, see, if you've been through what I've been through, then this kind of... Amen. Praise the Lord ain't going to do. When you come in here, you're ready to explode because you know if it had not been for the Lord on my side. That's why folks stand up. That's why folks dance. That's why folks lift their hands. That's why folks say hallelujah and don't care whether you're looking at them or not. That's why folks say holler at me, Jesus, because they know where God has brought them. You ain't going to be able to shut this generation up. Let me tell you something. You won't be able to shut them up because uh, we have babies that have come from homes where they've been abused and they made it. You're not going to be able to shut this generation up when they've grown up without fathers and somehow God has been a father to them. When they hear when they hear scriptures that say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, they will not be silent. And so we have grown even in worship, haven't we? We've also grown... In our methods. Back in the day, there was only one way. Pass out tracks. <laughs> Yo, and back in the day, see, y'all don't know about this. There used to be a time you had to stand up in Sabbath school and say, um, how many you passed out? Like that was some badge of honor. Like you passed out 25 tracks, but ain't nobody come to Jesus. Wow. And you know why? Because we discovered that even Ellen White said, she says, there could be 100 where there is now one if we were more kind, pitiful, and courteous. And so it could be, uh, it's not that our message is so hard, it could be that our methods are off. Maybe we have not changed and we have not adapted with the times in which we're living in. It ain't nothing wrong with the three angels' messages. The, The problem is the package. Anytime there is growth, and this is what the Lord is saying to Fire Tyra, I love that you're growing. I love that you're changing. I love that you care when visitors come to church. There used to be a time if a visitor came in, they looked a certain way, they smelled a certain way, we cast a judgment about them. But now churches are becoming seeker sensitive. See, you don't know what that is. Seeker sensitive is the mindset that says that the reasons why our churches exist is not for those who are here, but for those who are not here. So that's why you have young preachers like myself who come in and say, hold on, this church ain't yours. This church is not for you. Matter of fact, this ain't even a church because the church, see I learned this in seminary see the church is God's people the Bible never says that the church is a building that's Catholic and so we're getting a new understanding that the church is a movement, it's a believing group of people who call people out of darkness into this marvelous light and we can't keep doing things as we've always done them and think that we're going to get different results let them rap Why are we dressing down for church? Because they feel uncomfortable coming in here and seeing a bunch of uppity people dressed up. 
stop lying to people and telling them that God wants us to dress up. It's a lie. That's our tradition. Just admit it. I'm not against standards. I'm not against us having those things. But let's realize that in order for us to reach them, our methods must change. We're gonna watch. Well, let me give you an example of this. Case in point, my brother. My brother just had a baby. But he has two dogs. Two boxers. My brother is like the dog whisperer. Before he had a baby, that's my wife. We, I mean, it's a bunch of us. We're at the house, and those dogs sit on that spot, and they won't move. I mean, my kids are in front of them. Ah, come on. The dogs are like this. When they're downstairs in the basement, and it's time for them to go to the bathroom, there ain't none of that stuff in the house. They ain't peeing on the carpet or nothing like that. My brother has, has dominion. <laughs> All he does is he opens the basement door, and they run up like soldiers. And they walk past through a crowd. Now, my dog, Bella, if, if there's people, <laughs> I mean, like, she's all over the place. No discipline. Come on, we don't got no time for that. Amen. Come on, say amen. <laughs> my, my, but my brother's dogs, when they come upstairs, they walk like soldiers. Right outside. Use the bathroom. When he opens the door, they come back in, sit down. And they will not move until he says, and I say, Ed, that's not how that baby's going to be. Your baby, <laughs> your baby is not going to be like those dogs. Okay, let me help you out here. You, there, uh, there's no such thing as a baby whisperer. So, 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 so I know you've been, now watch this now. I know you've been wanting a baby, but know that with growth, there was two, now there's three. With growth comes change. Yo, 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 come on. <laughs> See, in order to grow as a church, you got to change. They had to, he, I mean, once he had this room where he had all his sneakers, man, he's like a sneaker junkie, and you know, he's got them all in order and all this kind of stuff. When I walk in the room now, oh, there's a crib in there. Oh, come on. There's baby stuff everywhere. They got the little video cameras. When he wants to go to sleep, he can't sleep like he wants to because that they on that baby schedule. See, they don't mind the uncomfortability that the baby brings because they want growth more than they want comfort. Oh, you missed that. You missed that. The reason why the church has not grown is because the church wants to be comfortable and they don't want to make any adaptations for the people that are coming in. And I want to declare today that it shall not be in Glenville. Whatever it takes for us to make the change that's necessary for souls to come to Jesus Christ, I'm going to die on this hill. You're going to have to kill me, but we shall change. We will no longer be a black church. Y'all not praying with me in here. Well, I can't get the amens to flow. Flow, amen, flow. We, will know, we are not going, we are going to be a church that reaches anybody in our purview. Black, red, yellow, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where they come from. Doesn't matter what they did. Get over your racism. Get over your prejudice. Because they are coming in. That's why we got two services. Just in case you didn't know. Somebody said to me, Pastor, we're not, we're not that fool to have two services. That ain't why we're only having two services. We're having two services because there has to be services that appeal to more than just you. So they were growing. Change was happening. And it's good. We're still Seventh-day Adventists. We still believe it. The problem, though, is 
they've allowed Jezebel to come in. That's what the text says. Now I want you to look at this here. John 17, 7, 17 says this. Anyone who chooses, that's crucial, to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Now watch this. Right doctrine informs right living. If you throw away doctrine, then you can't walk in holiness. Doctrine matters. Doctrine just means teaching. But we got a feel-good generation that don't want to be taught nothing. All we want to do is praise. And worship. (laughs) But let me tell you what will change your worship. The word. Look here as I close. He says, I love the growth. I love the changes. You're changing methods. Your worship is changing. I mean, you're learning the word of God. You're growing. By the way, you know, we went from 27 to 28 fundamental beliefs, right? You do know that. Why? Yes. Do, you, do you know why? And you see, there's some folk back in the day would have said, we don't, need, we don't need to learn nothing else. This is all we need. But even our church adds doctrine as we, learn, as we continually study. But we, y'all ain't in no word. This is the most biblically illiterate generation of all time. You're too busy. And what you have done is, look, look, guys, look there at the text. In verse 20 says, the pre- in your growth, in your focus on being loving, in your focus on having faith, in your focus on believing God and trusting him and giving him the glory, he says, in your haste, To do that, he says, you have allowed Jezebel to sneak in. He says, you tolerate Jezebel. So now we got folk, you can't tell them nothing. Yeah, I go to the club. What's wrong with that? Y'all not praying. You see where we've gone? We, We came from a time where we believed that Jesus was coming tomorrow. See, 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 there are certain things I don't do, not because they're so bad, but because I believe Jesus is coming. See, but see, when you ain't in the word, then you're liable to do anything. And then you'll say, I'm convicted about this. You're not convicted about not drinking. Okay, you're not convicted about not smoking. Okay, oh, well, well, you're not, okay, so, you, oh, so let's move in now. The, no, we are there in the church. We are at a place now in the church where immorality has become religious. We live together and come to church and don't even feel guilty. And know what we do? We stand over here and say, but those Pharisees in that generation, my mama didn't love me. She was one way at church and she was another way at home. But ignorance is never an excuse for going to hell. He said, you let Jezebel in. Now, as I close, the imagery of Jezebel is interesting. Now, there was no such person as Jezebel in that time. And you know what Jezebel, the spirit of, you know what the spirit of Jezebel is? See, understand now, for every Jezebel, there has to be an Ahab. Stay with me. Stay with me, beloved. When you think Jezebel, you think what they look like. 
<laughs> when you get a chance, read First, and First Kings. You know, you know, you know why the Bible alludes to Jezebel. He says, "You tolerate Jezebel. You, you, you're doing good. You're growing, but Jezebel." So now, most scholars suggest, suggest. Look there at the text. That the word. Look there. It says, verse twenty says, "Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman." The Greek word for woman is gene, from which we get gynecologists, right? Yeah. But what the word gene means is wife. You tolerate that wife, Jezebel. Most scholars suggest that the angel of that church or the leader of that church had married. Look, look how bad we are now. We went from being conservative and we ain't taking this in this church. To now, the leader of the church goes and marries an idol worshiper. So Ahab, right? Ahab married Jezebel in the Old Testament because he wanted to be popular. He wanted power. You see, those marriages back then were arranged marriages, and they gave you political power, and they gave you uh, 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 political authority. So his desire, Ahab that is, to be powerful, to be liked. To be cool, got him hooked up with a woman who ran him. Jezebel basically is this. It is the evangelization of the church. Holy cow. Woo! You, you missed that. Woo. I'm, I'm unpacking in a minute. Woo! What has happened now is, instead of the church evangelizing the world, the world now has evangelized the church. Jezebel has more influence in Israel than Ahab did. That's why she killed all, hundred, all 450 of the prophets. See, many of us, you're getting too close. Ain't nothing wrong with having friends. But see, most of you, are you're too spiritually weak to evangelize, so you're getting evangelized. And you don't even know it. The Bible says in the last days, if it is possible, the elect will be deceived. See, if you knew the prophecies, you wouldn't be fooling around with every false doctrine. And listen, this prosperity message is everywhere. It is everywhere, and it is as false a doctrine as you can imagine. This make me happy, keep me great. I mean, all the messages about just wanting to succeed in life and just, I mean, it is all earthly. It's all worldly. It's all make me great, make me good. Bless me, bless me, bless me. Oh, I receive it, I receive it, I receive it. All for right here. But God is trying to tell you there is a judgment coming. That's right, that's right, that's right. How are you going to know that if you ain't in your word? You're still mad at what they did to you 30 years ago. Let that thing go and get in the word your doggone self. That's right. That's right. That's right. You see how we've gone from one extreme to the other? How are we going to change the world and we ourselves not change? Now, in closing, you know why they wouldn't say nothing to Jezebel? You know why they tolerated her? Can I tell you? Well, how do you let somebody like Jezebel just run the church? They said this woman was going around telling them, look, y'all join those, join those unions, join those guilds. God knows your heart. But you got to feed your family. I got some slides that I need to be shown. Marna, is somebody going to put those up? 
Put those slides on the screen right now. See, there is a certain kind of profile of a person. They're like Ahab. That's going to be shaken out of this church. So, so why are you trying to be friendly? Go to the next slide. Why are you trying to be friendly and all cool and just so accepting? The word of God says, do not tolerate. There is a difference between loving people and allowing people to evangelize you. That's right. That's right. Here are the kinds of people, according to spirit of prophecy, of those that are going to be shaken out in the last days. Self-deceived. Careless and indifferent. Oh, that ain't our generation. <laughs> not sacrificial. See, non-giving people. I, someone, I, listen, I cannot afford to tithe. See, see, in the last days, we're going to be, listen, I'm, all prosperity message is basically telling you it's going to get better. The Bible says it's going to get worse. Okay? But see, we're cool. But see, if you read the word, you're cool with that because you know that the worst is going to get better because he that shall come will come and will not tarry. But see, we're more in love with what's going on down here than we're in love with what's about to come. But see, the issue is, is we're, brothers and sisters, we are getting ready to go through perilous times. See, that, ain't, that, that kind of preaching right there is not what's going to be on TV and, and pack you out 30,000 people. That's right. That's right. We're going through perilous times. And, and you think that you're going to make it through there and you can't even return your tithes and offerings? No, I mean, no, seriously, let's, brothers and sisters, let's talk. I mean, you're careless and indifferent. You don't got time to pray. You don't got time for prayer meeting, Bible study, Sabbath school, nothing. And you show up when you want to and how you feel it. And if you don't, just deal with it. You think that kind of mindset is going to be ready when a time comes where God is literally, the word of God says, he is going to allow the devil. Right now, there are four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, according to Revelation 7. And they are holding back the winds of strife to keep back those things. In other words, the devil right now is just waiting for God to let go the winds. And when those winds let go, there will be unspeakable terror and catastrophe all over the earth. And if you are not deep in God, deep in his word, deep in commitment, deep in, you don't care if you lose your job. You don't care if your lights go out. You don't care if people don't like you. I must stand on Christ the solid rock. I stand all over the ground. I stand for God. This whole Hollywood Christianity. It's weak. It's so weak that the minute somebody offends you, you're leaving. Yeah. Go to the next one. Worldly minded. Compromisers. Disobedient. Jealous and fault finding people. And conservative. This is all from Spirit of Prophecy. I'll give you the statements. Conservative. Go to the next one. These are the kind of people that's going to be, they're going to be messed up in the end. Those that can't control appetite. Those who cause disunity. Those who have no faith in the prophetic gift. Now listen, let me tell you now, I know we've misused Ellen White. I know, I know they misused her, but don't you throw out the baby with the bathwater. If you know American history, you ought to know Adventist history. Oh, come on in here. And finally, here's the most important thing. Superficial Bible students. You do not, you are not in your word deep. It's true. 
The Bible doesn't say read to show yourself approved. It says study. The Holy Ghost moved on my wife the other day. And, 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 you know, we have worship every day and all that kind of stuff. That don't mean we, we special or anything. But the Holy Spirit moved on her the other day. She said, honey, the Lord's impressed me that me and you need to study together. Amen. Mercy. 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 See, most of us, but come on, we're not in like that. And that's why Jezebel can come in and run us. That's why Jezebel can do whatever she wants. Some of you around your friends, and, you, and they still don't know that you believe what you believe. You're scared. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we just, we are so busy trying to please people and fit in that we have lost. The Bible says, if the salt has lost its savor. Now, in closing, what most people assume is that you can't be serious about the word and have joy. You can't. You can't be into the prophecies. But yet, give him the praise with your whole heart. You see how we've done that? We've separated it. We say, Here the, here's the liberal group and the conservative group. But I've got news for you. I'm not a part of any one of your groups. Amen. I, I want to be right at the cross. I want to be right in the middle. I want to be, be balanced. The word of God says of Jesus that he grew in favor with God and man. But you cannot grow in favor with man until you grow in favor first with God. I'm done. So how do we fix this? How do we fix this? Well, it's very clear. There needs to be a commitment to the word. Not to church only. But see, many of you would be committed to the church if you were committed to the word. See, when I read my Bible, I have no excuse not to be committed to the church because I I, I read and I hear what it says. Oh, I'm going to go here. In our church right now, keep playing, but keep playing. Bring it down a little bit because I don't want them to miss this, Michelle. In this church right now, keep playing, Michelle. In in the church right now, we have less than 20% of our members doing anything. As one preacher said, see, the reason why we're not committed is because we have a generation of people who have never thrown their whole selves at anything except themselves. That's why you can't count on nobody. That's why folk won't show up on. Listen, there are people who volunteer for churches and their volunteers show up at 5 a.m. in the morning and they stay all day until the job is done. There are people in other countries that walk five to ten miles to hear the word of God. We ain't committed to nothing. Some of our most gifted people are sitting out there while people are up here singing. Because you don't got no time or you don't. I mean, Jezebel has come in. We just sit 
and take in, take in, take in, take in, take in, take in. No commitment. Just, I mean, whatever I give God, he's just going to have to deal with it. Because I got my life going on. 